The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. From Spirituality and Health Magazine, I'm Rabbi Rami, and this is Essential Conversations. Our guest today, James Jeffrey, spent nine years in the British Army, serving in Kosovo, Iraq, and Afghanistan, before attending journalism school in Austin, Texas. Since 2012, he has freelanced in America and the Horn of Africa. His work has appeared in Irish Times, The New Humanitarian, BBC News, The Guardian, The Daily Telegraph, Al Jazeera, Foreign Affairs, CNN, and the list goes on. His essay, How to Bring the Spiritual Camino Vibe into Your Life, appears in the July-August issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. And that's what we're going to be talking about. At the moment, James is in a hostel in Portugal. But bear with the sound, because what he has to say is really important. So, James Jeffrey, welcome to Essential Conversations. Thank you very much, Rabbi. Our pleasure. Love the essay. So I'm sure that lots of people who are listening to us are aware of the Camino, but they may not really understand what it is. So give us some background and and tell us what the uh, Camino de Santiago actually is. Okay, so um, basically the the Camino is an ancient pilgrimage, Christian pilgrimage. Uh, It's about 800 kilometers long, and there are various routes which reflects the different origins uh, where pilgrims came from. But the most famous route is called the Camino Frances, and that starts at the Spanish-French border, just on the French side, in a a beautiful little village called uh, Saint-Jean-Pierre-de-Port. And then from there, the Camino route goes westward through northern Spain, passing astonishing Spanish cities, um, some, some that your audience may be familiar with, places like Pamplona, which is famous for the running of the bulls, and that was where the American writer Ernest Hemingway spent a lot of time and he wrote his novel, The Sun Also Rises, about it. And then you go westward through all sorts of uh, different landscapes, uh, vineyards, uh, open fields. There's even a sort of deserty area. Uh, and then eventually you reach the city of uh, Santiago de Compostela in the region of Galicia, which is in the, you know, the most western side of Spain. And that is where legend has it that the remains of the Apostle St. James were buried after his uh, martyrdom in Jerusalem. So that, that in essence, is what the Camino is. There was a a famous film made about it starring Martin Sheen, which I think some people might be familiar with, uh, where in the film he he plays a character who walks the whole Camino to deal with some um, personal grief in his life. The, the Camino has been around since, I think, about the 10th century. And so at that time, you had people coming from all over Europe, from different places, starting in France, starting in Italy, starting in Spain. So as a result of all, of all those different routes, you actually have, there's a whole number of Caminos. 
um, you know, starting for, you know, uh, stretching for, through Portugal, through Spain, and into France. Um, so, and a lot, a lot of those Caminos uh, exist still, but the, the most famous one is that is the Camino Frances, which starts at the border um, and, and then go, goes along as I described it. So as you're walking this, I, I mean, you're a journalist and you're a writer. I mean, do people talk to one another? Is it, do you find out why they're walking? Or is it much more solitary and you don't do that? Well, I mean, basically, it's, it's up to you, but it, t- it tends to be the uh, former. And so, as you say, for, for a writer and a journalist, it's a real treat. Although I should emphasize, you know, that was never the motivation for doing it. I mean, I, you know, my reasons were, like, like most other people, you know, personal and intertwined with sort of questions about religion and spirituality also. But yeah, yeah virtually, that's one of the great things about the Camino. And, and it's, virtually everyone who does it seems to say the same thing is that, you know, it's a life-enhancing experience and everyone is equally shocked in a good way about just how open everyone else is. And I, and I think that's, you know, it's because you have this shared aim and it's this, you're part of this shared endeavor so that everyone refers to themselves as a pilgrim, whether they're religious or a- atheist. So there's this really unifying bond. And as a result of that, people just really open up. Also, I think there's sort of a, you know, sort of a sort of human psychological aspect to it because these people are strangers, and you know they're not actually part of your normal life. It's weirdly easier to open up to to them, say, than your own family. And I, I, I you know, so I mean, I remember having sharing some things with people that I, you know, would never normally share with other people, you know, even good friends, and vice versa. And so it does seem to sort of engender this. Um, real openness, which is, uh, you know, I think very healthy and very rewarding and, and it really stands out as part of the experience. Is there a general sense that what happens on the Camino stays on the Camino? <laughs> that, I mean, that's a very good question. I, uh, yeah, I think, I think that, yeah, I think that feeds into it. Why people, you know, why people are so open to sharing very intimate, deep things. I, I think, yeah. And, and part of the whole point, I think why a lot of people do it is because, you know, they, they're really yearning for that, especially in the, you know, the modern world where, you know, we're increasingly isolated, alienated, dare I say it, you know, atomized, all those sorts of things. So I, I think, um, and I, you know, and I speak uh, from personal experience, you know, it's, it's just, you know, people really want to be able to talk openly like this. And I think a lot of people who perhaps come into it wanting a, a sol- a, 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 an experience, there is more solitude. Perhaps they think that's, the, that's what they need. They then realize, oh, you know, actually they, they want to, they need to talk and they want to, um, open up. You know, in the article that's in the current issue of Spirituality Health, the article's called How to Bring the Spiritual Camino Vibe into Your Life. You write that in the Middle Ages, pilgrims walked in search of answers. Now I'm reading from your text. So it's, quote, answers, or at least some sort of better understanding and appreciation about what their lives represented and meant, close quote. So I'm curious I mean, you've done it, and now you're on the second one. Is that why you walk? And if and if it is, what have you come to understand and appreciate? Oh goodness, that's a <laughs> that's a tough question. The reason I did it this most recent time was slightly forced circumstances because of you know the lockdowns. But certainly the first time I did it in 2017, you know, I, I did feel that I sort of got in a bit of a rut. My journalism meant I I was actually sort of stuck at my laptop a lot of the time. And it just, yeah, things didn't feel as very rewarding. My back actually gave out at one point. Um, and I, you know, so I, there was almost just a physical warning flag, you know, that, you know, the lifestyle 
wasn't as healthy as it should be. So th- those were sort of the, the sort of more practical elements that I think drove me to it. But I, there was also an- another layer to it. Um, I was working in Ethiopia at the time. And I, so I was surrounded by very religious Ethiopian Orthodox Christians. Um, Ethiopia is an amazing, amazingly religious country. And actually, that also includes a lot of Muslims. Ethiopia is a real success story for overall for Christians and Muslims living um, side by side. So I, I'd been raised as a Catholic. And, you know, by, by the time I was in Ethiopia, I was sort of, I think, in my, yeah, I was in my 30s. And, you know, like many people, I mean, I, I had sort of stuck with my faith, but it has sort of fall, it has certainly gone to the sidelines. And so being surrounded by all these very sort of religious Ethiopians, you know, of different faiths, did get me reflecting on what, you know, what was going on in my, in my life at that, that deeper level of searching for meaning. You know, it's interesting, your, your reference to Ethiopia and to the devout Christians and Muslims there. I mean, there, there are Jews in Ethiopia also, though many have uh, made Aliyah to Israel. At the heart of the Abrahamic traditions, so, you know, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, Baha'i, at the heart of these traditions that trace them, their, their lineage back to Abraham is the call to Abraham in the book of Genesis, where we first meet Abraham and his wife, Sarah, and then later Hagar comes into it. But we first meet Abraham when Abraham is called by God in the story. I'm not suggesting any of this is literally true. But in the story, Abraham is called by God to walk, to, to leave home and to walk. The Hebrew that's in the text is lech lecha. So in the story, he's walking away from you know, his parents' house, his nation, his culture, as it says in the Bible, to a place that God will show him, but doesn't give him a map. It's just, you'll know it when you're there, I guess. But the Hebrew, while the story makes it an actual geographic journey, the Hebrew itself suggests something deeper. Lech does mean to walk, but lecha can mean toward yourself. That while you're walking outwardly, it's also this inner journey. And I'm curious if you think that that walking as a spiritual practice, whether it's the Camino or the three pilgrimage festivals in the Bible or the Hajj in Islam, whether there's something about walking that is, or at least can be, intrinsically and spiritually transformative. Um, no, I mean, that, that's, that's beautifully put. And that, that was, um, you know, really, no, I mean, it's fascinating. And, it, it all, and that, that all makes sense, you know, that what you were saying about the, the tradition going back to Abraham. I mean, don't, don't get me started. I, I'm a walking zealot now after the Camino. And, um, you know, the short answer is um, yes to, to all your points about the power of walking. I think it's um, critical. And as you say, it's this outward gesture this outward motion, but that's definitely, it links into something deep in, in, um, inside of us. And, I, and just to go, I mean, I guess to go back to the Ethiopia uh, reference, I mean, I've, ever since I discovered Ethiopia, I've been very conscious that the belief is that the first, you know, modern humans, you know, when they left Africa, it was from the Rift Valley around Ethiopia, the, the Horn of Africa. So, you know, the, you know, the argument uh, is that, you know, the human journey really did begin, you know, in Ethiopia. And, and, it, and it's always been a walking journey. And I mean, there's a, there's a, when I did the first Camino, my first Camino, I came across this beautiful quote by, I think she's an American writer. I think her name is Linda Hogan. And I think she, she, the way she put it, she said, uh, walking, I'm listening to a deeper way. Suddenly all my ancestors are behind me. 
you are the result uh, of the love of thousands. And I mean, it's a wonderful quote. And I think that's, um, you know, that, that gets at, uh, gets at a, lot, a lot of the truth of it. Um, sorry, there's also another great quote, uh, which I came across recently. Um, and again, it's another, it's another uh, female American writer. It's uh, Rebecca Solnit, uh, who's, uh, I think, an academic and an activist. And I hope I've said her name right. Um, but she wrote, I think, quite a well-known history of walking. And she said, quote, the walker toiling along a road towards some distant place is one of the most compelling and universal images of what it means to be human, depicting the individual as small and solitary in a large world, reliance on the strength of body and will. Is the end quote. Regarding that quote, there's also some sort of text saying that, you know, walking is almost, it's, it's almost now it's revolutionary act against a lot of the you know, forces of the modern world that assail us, you know, which sort of seem to sort of push us down into our, our death-bound lives. Um, and I think that's partly why, I mean, it's well documented. I think, you know, a lot of the sort of problems people are having, sort of isolation, depression, you know, ill health, are, are linked to this very death-bound life. Um, so, sorry, I'm going a bit off t- to the tangent towards the sort of the physical health side of, th- uh, of walking. But, but, you know, body and mind are totally, you know, intertwined. And so and I'm, an, I'm no psychiatrist, but I think, you know, I think it's, you only have to do the Camino and, and that, that's clearly obvious. I mean, and, but, but also, as I, as I discuss in the article, you just, I mean, I know when I've, I'm working at the laptop, if I just, you know, my brain starts to fog over, it just takes walking outside and a quick walk around the block. And, you, you know, you're, you won't necessarily get a huge shift in your sort of well-being, but, it, but it's distinctly there. Your spirits lift a little bit, you know, the, um, the brain clears a little bit. And, you know, dare I say, you know, there's just a little bit, you know, your soul's a bit lighter. And I mean, and that's just on a, you know, a very short walk. So on the Camino, which can be, you know, you're, you can be walking for every day for five weeks. By the, by the third week, um, you really do enter this um, incredible stage where I think, yeah, this, this repetitive sort of pilgrimage, you know, act of walking, you know, going all the way back to Abraham, it takes you, takes your mind and heart to another place. And I'm just not qualified to explain it well enough. That hit me in 2017. And exactly the same thing happened this time round. You know, when I, when I got to about three weeks, um, things just, obviously things just slow down naturally. And uh, life's a lot simpler naturally as a result of what you're doing. And so that helps create uh, the calm and the space where I think you then can, you can just connect or, you know, um, more deeply with um, with these more well, I don't know more you know, spiritual metaphysical matters. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May twenty fourth to twenty six at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Yeah, I, I think you explained that really well, and, and I, I agree with what you're saying. I think that, that lots of people, and I may be overstating this, but maybe not. I think that lots of people, when they think about spiritual practice, think about sitting cross-legged on a cushion. Uh, that's sort of what has captured the American imagination anyway. Though I think historically, uh, if you look at Chinese Buddhism in, in the early years, Taoism, they were walkers. I read somewhere, and I can't 
quote you where it was, but I read somewhere that sitting becomes the dominant practice in Buddhism when Buddhism comes to a place where there isn't a lot of room to walk around. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but originally walking was the spiritual practice, perhaps. But people have sort of shifted to to sitting, which is the dominant practice in the culture in general. When you talk about this kind of thing, do people push back against the idea of walking? Do people recognize, even if they're not, they haven't done something like the Camino, and I and I haven't, but do they intrinsically get the fact that even a short walk can cause a, a mental slash physical slash spiritual shift? Well, I've got I've got to be totally honest with you, Rabbi. I haven't really sort of tested that that out too much in terms of sort of just discussing it with that many people. I mean, um, I, I've obviously spoken about the. Camino to quite a lot of people, but often, you know, it's, it's rare that actually sort of, I really sort of perhaps get into as much detail as I am here and sort of really, you know, open up about the walking. But I mean, certainly in the UK, there is a strong walking culture and, you know, we call it, it's called rambling in terms of just going for a good hike across the sort of the Yorkshire Dales, for example. And I think, I think that is, it's perhaps, it's, you know, not as strong as it used to be. It's perhaps stronger amongst slightly older generations, dare I say it. And, I mean, that's just a gut, that's just the gut instinct. Um, but, but I think it's still, you know, it, people still get it. So, but I, yeah, so I haven't really had um, much pu- pushback. But as I said in the article, I do think it's not so much a case of pushback that's a problem. I think we're just, people just tend to be so busy, they just you know, lose sight of this very obvious fact, which they may re- intrinsically know themselves because, you know, Everyone sort of leaves the house or, you know, probably recognize that little perking up. But I just think perhaps people are so assailed by all these different distractions, they don't sort of necessarily think, you know, put, put two and two together and, and really, you know, necessarily remember and focus on, you know, why they're feeling better. And so they sort of miss this obvious fact that walking is just the most available and cheapest uh, means available to, you know, to anyone who's fortunate you know, enough to be able to walk to raise their spirits and, and improve their body and mind's um, function. Yeah, I think in general, people were, are built to walk. I, I'm just, while you're, while you're saying it, it, what's flashing in my head is Chinese landscape painting. And oftentimes you'll have, you see a painting, you know, monk crossing bridge or something like right. that. And it's a huge landscape of the forest and the mountains and, you know, all, all of this nature, and there's this thin little bridge connecting two peaks. And then there's a tiny dot that is supposed to be the guy, you know, the person crossing the bridge. They, they paint these things and place the human in the landscape as, as part of the ecological event that is, you know, woods, uh, peaks, mountains, you know, everything together. Whereas in the United States or in, in Western art, if you were painting a, a picture of person crossing big bridge, the person would be the center, you know, that it's all about that person. And you don't get a sense of the larger landscape or environment in which the person is operating. In my limited experience with walking, and I, I walk several miles a day, sometimes in my little town, and sometimes I, I walk out into the the woods along a river. But when I'm walking, especially out along the river, I get that Chinese sense that I sort of shrink uh, and I'm part of the, the larger environment. My, while, while fresh thoughts come into my head, and sometimes I have to stop and record them, I'm not mulling over my issues. 
after a, a while uh, I'm walking the path, it, I, I just sort of become part of the larger landscape and I have no more concerns than I imagine the deer have as I'm walking by them, or maybe they do have some concerns that I'm going to attack them, but the trees have, you know, when I'm walking past them. I'm wondering when you're doing a pilgrimage like this, which is so long, and, and you've sort of addressed this, I think, at some point, maybe it's the third week, do you sort of disappear and there's no more James Jeffrey is walking, there's just walking? Yeah, I mean, that's, um, that's, that's a really interesting one. I mean, I, that, as soon as you said that point about the sort of Chinese landscape and the priest, it made me think you know, of the monk. I mean, I, guess, I think that's Rebecca Solnit's point about, you know, the, the solitary and the solid, you know, the solitary walker on against this huge backdrop, against this huge world. It's you know, it just kind of sums up the human condition. I mean, for me, I, I got to be honest. I mean, I, I think I think I'm still working at that, work, working to achieve, achieve being able to sort of get yeah, get beyond myself. Because I, and I think that's really the, the the challenge. I think you sound you sound much more disciplined than me. I mean, I know that even after the third week, I'm still I'm still prone to. You know, rumination, and I'm, you know, as I'm walking along, and I'm thinking about the past, the future, and I, and I know that's, I know that's what uh, the walking is meant to try and break the habit of. But it's, it's very, I mean, it's very hard. You know, w- w- while you're talking about the Camino, I'm, I, in the back of my mind, I'm going, oh, I'd love to do that. How would I do that? You know, it's so many weeks, and it's so far. I mean, I, I was hoping maybe there was like a moving sidewalk. You could just stand on it, and just it would just take you and be much easier. But, and, and so I'm assuming that other people are thinking about, how could I ever do this? But you also talk about mini pilgrimages. Right, okay. I mean... Yeah, so there's, well, we've already sort of alluded to, um, you know, the, the easiest o- option, which is, you know, just a just a walk around the block or, you know, uh, locally. And I know that might just sound ridiculous in terms of framing it as a, a mini pilgrimage. But I, but I think if, you know, it depends how you do it. If you really focus on what you're doing and, and in terms of like really pay attention and try and notice some new things about, you know, your neighborhoods, I, I, I'm, I can almost guarantee if you do it properly, you will discover new things that you never uh, noticed before because I think we're all terrible at it and I've done it you can you know we just uh, and you, we can walk along so- somewhere and we're, we're literally so caught up in our thoughts we literally do not you know you could not describe what you just walked past if someone asked you 10 meters later what you just went past so there's there's that walking which I, I'm sure probably sounds really uninspiring and that boring to to your listeners but yeah, but but it does. It does. If you can work it into your daily schedule, I think it, you know it really it really helps and it pays uh, dividends. But the the other one that I talk about in the article, and this was actually recommended by um, a, um, a pilgrim I met. Who, there was a uh, Swiss couple, and again, it might not you know it might sound obvious, but not that many people do this, and it's all too easy to miss it. He said, even if you're living in a in a busy city, uh, virtually every city is going to have a, you know going to have a park somewhere. So if you just Focus and dedicate on a particular day to perhaps uh, even after work. You know, this this would work obviously a bit better in the summer, but after work, just put together a, a little picnic, some food, some drink, and you know, go go, go to the park and it, you know just walk around it. You know, lose yourself in it, and then you know, ideally perhaps even get a sunset, which is a really big thing on on the Camino because obviously at the end of each day's hike, you typically get these. Um, wonderful sunsets and uh, and you know it's part of um i think it's in our dna you know we, we respond to the the beauty of, of a sunset um and, and it really is a case of um i read in one of the the camino um guidebooks it says the most important thing 
is just do it. Don't put it off because you can always find a reason to put it off. If you think you want to do it, find a cheap air ticket and, you know, go, go and do it. Well, that is a perfect place to end. And I hope people start, you know, if you're interested in the bigger pilgrimage on the Camino, you can start your planning now. But your, your advice just to get out and to walk, even if, if it's just around your, your neighborhood, is also good advice. Our guest today, James Jeffrey, is a freelance writer and journalist. His essay, How to Bring the Spiritual Camino Vibe into Your Life, appears in the July-August issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. You can learn more about James's work on his website, jamesjeffreyjournalism.com. James, thank you so much for talking with us on Essential Conversations. Hey, thank you very much, Rabbi. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's a joy to be able to talk about you know, something so, so positive and, uh, and rewarding. Thank you. Essential Conversations with Rabbi Rami is the bi-weekly podcast of Spirituality and Health magazine. If you like Essential Conversations, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the show on your preferred podcast app. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share us on social media and tag us at SpiritHealthMag. You can also follow me on the Spirituality and Health website, where I write a regular column called Roadside Musings. Don't forget to subscribe to the print magazine as well. Essential Conversations is produced by Ezra Baker Truppiano, and our executive producer is Mallory Corbin. I'm Rabbi Rami. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show, exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.